2 Peter chapter 1. I really would like you feeding from this scripture more and more. Good. Good. The heating's on, so just keep the door shut. You'll get warmer a lot quicker. Grace, can you shut that door over there, doll? The heating will get quicker. Uh, warmer quicker, I should say. The heating is on. That's a, that should get an amen. While you were singing, I was interceding in the spirit. I was biomassing in the spirit. His divine power. Whose divine power? His. Has given us everything. How much? Everything. We need for life. So through my relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, He's given me everything I need for my life and for the godliness. Through my knowledge of Him, I'm making this personal, who has was, who was called me by His own glory and His own goodness. Through these He has given me His great and precious promises so that through them I may participate in the divine nature, in the divine nature, sorry, and I may escape the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, I need to make every effort to add to my faith. Amen. Amen. Last week we looked at how those early church members were very specific and unique. They had, they had characteristics that most modern day believers don't have. Yeah? And still don't have. And it's going to be some time before they ever have. And that's why you can't upgrade so many believers because they're not working from that pattern. What the church was and what the church is today are two different things. Yeah? Everything changes and something's not for the good. And this is definitely not for the good. And everything that God supplies, He puts through a promise. Yes? Everything comes through a promise. And uh, the only way you can activate the promise is by faith. And through faith. And that's why your Christianity has to have faith. Not just believe it, it has to have faith. Because faith is what activates the promises into your life. Amen? The only way God can upgrade you and update you is through faith. You can't have your Christianity, you can't just be mental. When I say mental, cerebral. It can't just be in the head. It's got to be in the heart. Yes? So this is a very fundamental part of, of uh, our faith. It's not just our, our understanding, our knowledge, though they're key. It's our faith. Yes? You know, at this time of the year, hundreds of companies will be giving free samples. They're on the streets. They're trying to give you a free sample with the intention of trying to supply you and update you with what they are selling. Yes? And uh, this is a key thing. They're hoping that by you tasting and testing their free products, this will lead you to making a purchase that will upgrade the quality of your life. It's true. So try this new cheese. Try this new perfume, try this new whatever it is, try this better phone, well, you can, well they don't give them free samples of the phones but <laughs> try this try that, this would be better for you and these are all marketing ploys to say that with this product your life is going to be significantly better than if you went to Aldi example 
Not, nothing wrong with LD. But it's just not Marks and Spencers, is it? Right. So there's a difference between Aldi and Marks and Spencers. Okay. If you didn't know the price, yeah. <laughs> so you can see that these products that they're selling, they, they think they're the best thing is thin sliced bread. Is that true? But they're hoping that you will fall for it and taste and see that their product's good. From the update, then you will then go and buy it and then upgrade your life. So it was based on the sample. It was based on what you tasted. Yes, the sample. And then from the sample, you then made a decision, a conscious decision, whether, nah. Oh, yes. And that's why if you go into Costco, they give you all the little free food samples. You can have your dinner for free. Just walk around and wait until they cook. And you just have a bit of this, have a bit of that, have a bit of that. And you always go, oh, that's nice. Should we go and get some, Jimmy? Because at that moment in time, it tastes really nice. When you get it home and cook it, it ain't going to taste like that. It's not. Especially if you microwave it. <laughs> so they want you to make a permanent choice. And <clears throat> when it comes to church, we partake of church like we partake of samples in the street. We give people just a little bit. And we say, oh, this will transform your life. A little bit never transforms anything. But what we do is we give them free, taste, free tasters and hopefully they'll come to church on a taster and they'll remain on a taster. Come on. That's why a lot of churches market their church. We have this on through the week. We have that on through the week. We do this. We have that. We do this. We do the, And the whole church is busy, busy, busy. But it's all on a taster. It's a tasting mentality. Not that it's wrong to do things in the church. Not that it's wrong to, to try and in, uh, encourage people to attend. Not that. Each man's got to work out what it is he carries or what they carry. But we can't just... If you come on a taster, some people will come to our Christmas production and that might be the taster that they were looking for. They might get caught up with the environment and go, I like this church. But that night isn't this church to one degree. That was this environment. But it is the church, but they've not seen the church. They saw an event. They didn't see the church yet. So they got caught up in the event. So then later they come to the church and they say, it's not as like, it's not like what I tasted. No, it's not. How come, why can't we have pantomime? Because we're not having pantomime. That was one event to give to you, to hopefully entice you, to, to, to encourage you, to let you know that there is someone who's died for you and who wants you, who loves you very much. But can't we have pantomime? No, we can't have pantomime. Well, where's the men with the funny costumes? There ain't no funny men this morning. Why? Now it's church. So we can't keep giving people tasters. Because the tricks that you use to entice people will be the tricks you have to keep using to keep them. It is. So we can't do that, and we won't do that, and we should never do that. So we've got to make sure that what we give people is God. And let people make their own choices. Yeah? We're not giving samples. Though there will be a taster. There's a difference. So, 
On a sun, next Sunday, I'll show you the Sunday after, there will be a lot to entice people. But even that doesn't change people's lives. If all, if all it took was a pantomime to change your life, we're having one every week. But it doesn't. Just like it, does, it takes more than what I say to you to change your life. It does. We don't have magic. We do miracles. We do supernatural. But we don't do magic. God's never done magic. All samples focus around benefits. Yeah? If you come here, you'll get this. If you do that, you'll receive this. Benefits are okay to a degree. But God works by purpose. And in God's purpose, there are many, many benefits that, through his promises. Through his promises. Amen? Benefits come through his promises. So, through his promises. Promises are attached to his purpose. Purpose is the highest point. God works on purpose. Now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. It says through his purposes. Now the manifold wisdom of God was made known to the rulers. So his purpose was always to have a church who would then declare him. So that everything could come through the church. But the church was connected to the manifold wisdom. The wisdom's connected to the purpose. The church today just wants benefits. That is an entitlement mentality. Yeah? See, when people, when that free sample's given, it's great when you're tasting it. Kettle and I, we, we, when we were in France uh, earlier on this year, we walked into this shop. And you know when you think, oh, I can't get out now. And, and, and the guy's spiel is so smooth that it's, it's, it's wrapped you in. And Carol's hoping to look at, I wanted to buy Carol a gift, but Carol didn't like the, 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 the banter this guy's using. And I'm, I'm not aware, because I wanted Carol to have this gift, but Carol's thinking, she's looking to me to say, get me out of here. And as a bloke, I'm just totally, Doo, gone. Well, £40 later, she comes out with this lotion, potion, what it is we bought, and I'm £40 lighter. But you know, the thing is, is when, he said to the, when, she, when the guy said the price, Carol looked at me thinking I was going to say no. And I went, yeah, it's okay, doll. Get it if you want it, if you like it, if you really want it. She's like to say, no, but she hasn't got the gumption to say, no. I didn't really want it, yeah, but you brought us into the shop. She didn't have the gumption to say no. So £40 later, we've got a product that we don't want, and we spent £40 we did have. Not that we didn't have, we did have. But it could have been spent on something different. And the point is, is, it's always at the point of the cost. The sample's great until they tell you the price. Yes? So we can give them a sample on Sunday. But then the following Sunday, the price will kick in. And there is a cost to everything God does. You're, you following God, there is a tremendous cost he paid the price so that you can make the sacrifice and, and partake of the cost. Now I can identify with the price he paid. Now, yeah, here's the difference. The, this generation know the cost of everything, but they know the value of nothing. Right? 
So there's a difference between price and value. We don't know the price that Jesus paid to some degree, other than we ate, on his, on his, he went on the cross, he died. We weren't there. But you, when you follow Jesus and you love Jesus and you understand how he works in your life, you understand the value of him being on the cross. And out of the value comes an understanding of the cost and the price. Do you understand that? So where I pay value, value is higher than cost. Because, we, you know, let's just say, when you first meet your, your true love and you buy her something, it might have been cheap, but, it, was, but it, it meant something. And the value of it, you can't replace. But it might have only been five pound. But to you, it's now worth far more money than you could ever put on it. Why? Because it's got time, it's got history, it's got moments, it's got memories. True? So when Jesus did what he did, there's tremendous value in it, but all we do is look at the cost. But we don't understand the cost until we appreciate the value. Amen? Does it make sense? I'm glad. You can. People don't cost me anything. It might cost me to get to know them, but once I get to know them, do I value them? So, we know that there's a difference between the book of Acts and today's believers. The book of Acts in chapter 2, 42, it said, they devoted themselves. That's not one of the traits I see of the modern day church. I do not see people devoting themselves. Now listen guys, you're the only people in front of me this morning. So when I talk about church, guess who I'm talking to? I'm not talking to the ones who are beyond the wall. I can only talk to you this morning. Now whoever listens to our podcast, it goes beyond us then. But you're right in front of me. So people, one clear, a clear hallmark sign of your belief is do you devote yourself and what do you devote yourself to? Yes, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So you have to define who your teachers are. I didn't notice I didn't say find an apostle. Find your teachers. That's probably easier than finding an apostle. Devote yourself to a fellowship. Devote yourself to breaking the bread. This morning we broke bread. Why? Because we're devoted to doing it. And the result of that, the benefit of that, out of that purpose came everyone was filled with awe. Yeah, And wonders and miracles and signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common, which is a miracle in itself. And they sold all their possessions and goods and they gave them to anyone as he had need. Wow. Wow. God has to do a work on us to get to that point. This year we will accumulate more rubbish in the name of presence. And we will take better stuff to the tip you don't have to go to the tip at Christmas to see some good stuff that gets thrown away they broke bread in their homes and they ate together when was the last time you invited friends around and you broke bread oh what was that never okay that's me self I'm not just saying to you something we we think we only do it in church because we're so church men, you know mentality we forget to do it when you come to each other's house and praising God, they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, last week I said this to you. 
You can't take people on a journey. We want to add people to the church who don't want the word adding to them. If you can't add the word to someone's life, then you can never be part of the church. This is the, this is the hallmarks of being in the church. Can God's word be added to your life? Not whether you hear it, it's whether it can be added to your life. What can be added is what upgrades you. So what, what can be added to your life is what, is what determines you to be upgraded and updated. So this is the big line here right across the church globally. Most people, though having a form of godliness, they deny its power. Why? Because the word can't be added. This is how God knows who is true churches. So the role of a shepherd is, is this. He knows this. I know this. I see this in our church and I see it in churches worldwide. There are some people who resist the word coming to them. So what do you do as a shepherd? Do you, do you just take your, your crook out and whack him one? Well, you can't do that. It's just not ethical. It's not moral. You can't, I'll get a bloody nose if we do that. So you can't do that, can you? Everyone's going, I don't know. Can, no, you can't do that. You can't beat people. Quite rightly so as well. So let's just take the fact that we've been on this journey now. We, in the people, in the church today, we have numb. Numb people are people who are desensitized to feelings. They don't feel what God feels. Yes? That's why you can walk past a beggar in the street and feel nothing towards them. Then we've got the dumb people. Dumb doesn't mean you're thick or stupid. Dumb means that there's areas in your life that you're not consciously, you're not conscious about that you, you need to know. Yes? There's many areas I know that I need to know. I know that I'm thick in some areas. <laughs> I know that I'm dense in other areas. But I also know what I know. And what I know outweighs sometimes for what in, my, in my life what I don't know. I don't need to know everything. But I do need to know some things. But am I aware what I need to know? That's the key thing. And if we keep talking, we'll get you in, in the... You know, you didn't, do you know what you need to know about what you didn't know, what you could know? No. You know? Yeah. So he says here to Timothy, this is the work, this is the mandate that God says to a pastor that who's working in the midst of people who struggle to have the word added to them. And this is what he says, but you, Tony, keep your head in all situations. And you all say, yeah, yeah. And then he says, endure hardship. Who's the hardship? Oh, it's you. And those outside. Endure hardship and do the work of an evangelist. Now, he was talking to Timothy. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. In other words, I can only do what I'm called to do. I haven't got a, a, a magic wand. So when people, when I see that problem, and we, can, we see people who we can't add the word to, I could get really frustrated and say, God, just like Isaiah, God, they won't listen. Right? Okay, they won't listen. Some people won't listen. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to get frustrated at them? Or are you going to keep on discharging all your duties? Are you going to pray for these people? Are you going to talk tenderly to these people? Are you going to find different ways of communicating what's in your heart so they, so you can remove the obstacles that's in people's lives? That's what we have to do. That's frustrating. It's no joy for me to stand up and talk and speak and try and minister to you if all you get is, 
That's hard. That's hard. But guess what? I could say, right, class dismissed. Let's all go and drink coffee. But no. Why? Because I was like that once. I sat in church for seven or eight years. Numb as a pump. Just resisting. The word couldn't be added. But now, things are different. Why? Because other people persevered. So, do you know what the word discharge means? I'm gonna, it has many, many meanings, but here's one of them. To perform a task, especially an official one, to fire a gun. Or fire a shot from a gun. Now, there's Lord. I wish many times I had a gun. I'm sure you wish you had a gun to shoot me. Every gun is no good without bullets. True? Therefore, I must keep partaking of him so I can keep participating with him. I must make sure that in my partaking that I receive from the Lord, that which I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you. So I better make sure in my chamber there is a sufficient bullets to fire my gun, to discharge my gun to you. Not shoot you, but to discharge what I have partook, partook of, or partaken of, right? So that I can discharge it to you, so that there is gun residue on you. Does that make sense? So someone has to keep on doing that in order for the residue to rest upon the people. Because everything I need for life and for godliness has been given to me. Everything I need. So if I need you to push through and break through, God's given me what I need to help you do that. Yes. You don't know what you need sometimes. I don't know what I need sometimes. But God puts us in a place where he makes us aware of what we need. So that when someone discharges their duties, you feel the benefit of what they've discharged. And some days we sit there picking our nose, counting the ceilings. But guess what? The man still keeps doing it. And I'm like you, sat there and when's he going to shut up? When's he going to shut up? Surely he'll shut up in a minute and it never comes. And he goes on and on and on. He's thinking, no, let's go and drink coffee. Eat paninis. And at some point, we grow up or we stop coming. If I'm going to keep firing my gun and speak with the sole aim of encouraging you spiritually, I need to continue partaking and participating in this divine nature. Yeah? But if I'm going to keep on doing that, you might want to consider the following I'm going to tell you now. You ready for that? You might want to write this down. First of all, in 1 Timothy 4, 16, it says, he tells, Paul tells Timothy, and I'm telling you, to watch your life and doctrine closely. To watch your life and your doctrine closely. You might think, well, I don't know what doctrine I have. Well, let's make it simple. Guard your belief. Guard your faith. Just Put a full stop there. Guard it. Guard it. What do I have to do? Well, just guard it. That's not the question this morning. How we're going to do that? Well, I'm going to, in fact, it is actually. I'm going to show you how to do that. And then he says this: persevere in them. Persevere in what you don't understand. 
persevere in what you don't understand. You, you know, don't let what you don't understand stop you from enjoying what you do understand. That's so key. Don't let what you don't understand rob you from enjoying what you do understand. From, now, from time to time, there'll be a lot of things you don't understand. Great, that's fine. Enjoy what you do understand and let God make it known to you at some point. Yes, every time I go to Malaysia, you know, I walk away with more I don't understand. But when I bring, up, when I bring my notes home and I work through them, God brings understanding later. Why? Because I'm participating. I'm partaking in what I'm receiving. So he said, persevere in them. Because if you do, you'll save yourself and you'll hear us. Wow. This is my challenge. This is your challenge. If you persevere, you will save and protect your life and you'll protect what you've received. Yes? Because the moment you receive, life and the enemy of your soul will come to steal the seed that you've received. Yeah? So, if you're going to do this, let me give you the first point, and it's make sure you're in a place where you can hear well. Make sure you are in a place where you can hear well. If this is not your church and you don't hear well, go and find somewhere else. Now, how many pastors will tell you to go and find somewhere else? You're free. With the same freedom you came through the door, you're free to go out the door. We're not asking anyone to leave. We're saying if you can't hear... If you can't hear, 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 if you can't hear, in here, then you might need to go out there to find somewhere where you can hear. Now, the, I guarantee you, probably, the problem with hearing is you, not where you are. But if the word is not clear, and it's not made clear, and all they give you is free samples, then you might need to find somewhere where you can hear. I didn't say somewhere you can listen to the word, somewhere you can hear the word. And please, folks, there's a massive difference. In Acts 10, 9, he says, About noon that following day, they were on their journey and approaching the city. Peter went, Peter went up on the roof. He found a place. Listen. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. Stop right there. When you're hungry and you want something to eat, you sit on a roof. Last time I looked, I'm hungry. In a minute, when, when we finish this, if I'm hungry and I want something to eat, I'm not going to sit on the church roof. No, I'm going to go sit under a roof, not on a roof. But for some reason, Peter sits on a roof. But the issue is, are you hungry? If you're hungry, I can't display All I can imagine is the Holy Spirit must have led Peter to sit on a roof. Because you don't sit on a roof when you're hungry. And dial takeaway. Can you imagine the guy trying to throw it up to you? <laughs> he became hungry and, and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell in the trance and he saw heaven open up, something like a large sheet let down to earth and it's, by its four corners. It contained all kinds of... Can you imagine? There you are hungry. And now God shows, gives you a movie of food. If that doesn't cause more salivating to... You know, we could have seen a movie where God could have used any other analogy but used his food knowing the guy's hungry. Why? Because that was where his need was. God spoke to him at the point of his need. 
So he used the food to get his attention, to speak to him, and then he's seeing bacon sandwiches. Hey, come on, Lord, this is not fair. You're showing a Jew bacon sandwiches. And he says, Peter, there's good news. You can now get up and eat. You can have a bacon butty with brown sauce, not red. Because God knows red sauce, anything red is bad anyway, but... <laughs> steady on, steady on, steady on. Well, you can't eat blue sauce, can you? But <laughs> do, you want, do you want a bacon sandwich pizza? You can't eat them. Yes, you can, because don't say what's, what you thought was unclean. What Moses once said is not is changing. I'm coming to tell you that this isn't about food, Peter. This is about Jews and Gentiles. This is about culture now, races without faces. I'm coming to show you that, that, that I'm moving beyond your stomach. Yes? So you need to be in a place where you can be fed. Second thing is, when you find your place, take care what you listen to. Take care what you listen to. So we're talking here about if you're going to be upgraded, if I'm going to discharge my gun, and you're going to consider what's being said, and you're going to allow this word to be added to your life, you need to make some changes and bring some conclusions to your life. These are not going to change by next week. Next week you might have forgot these, but these still live on. These are t- determining your life. These, these, what I'm going to share with you, are determining what can be added to you and what can't. So you've got to be in the right place. Secondly, you've got to find out... Sorry, where's it gone? Where's it gone? Where's it gone? Um, when you find that place, take care what you listen to. Not everything being spoken in church is of God. Yes? So Mark 4.24, Mark 4.24, he said, listen carefully to what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, we each possess a measure where faith, grace is given to us. True? But what you don't know is your measure until you discharge it. You don't know your measure, your true measure, until you discharge it. How do I know I've been called to speak? As I discharge the gift, people's lives start to change. True? Now, how, do you know, how does somebody who goes on X Factor know they can sing? They've got to go on the show. They've got to go in front of Simon Cowell. They've got to go through um, Nicholas Scherzinger and all the rest of the panel. You've got to prove that you can do it. Right. But when they do it, some people are so shy, that they've never been told, actually, you've got a good voice. They just decided to go on it. And as they're doing it, they realize, actually, there's a gift here. I've got a measure here. And then you've got the other dipstick who's been told by the pals, you've got a great voice, Jimmy, because you do karaoke every Monday night in the club. And they go, hey, hey, they start singing, and Simon goes, oh, no. And then they, they look bewildered. What do you mean I can't sing? My me, me friends told me I can sing. Your friends are having a laugh, Jimmy. <laughs> go home. You can't sing. And then it looked like the world's been dragged from under the face. Like, why did you think you could ever sing? Well, I sing every morning in the bathroom. Well, maybe you should stay in the bathroom. (laughs) You don't know your measure until you use it. Yes? 
when you discharge your measure, you realize not only what you've got, but what you lack. That's important for you to understand that. I realized when I started to speak, I lacked so many things. But did it stop me doing it? No. I kept on doing it and I've developed. And I'll keep on doing it to develop. Because I know that I have to develop. I have not arrived. Okay? Now, we're going to run a full-time discipleship school. How much do you think we will lack? Quite a lot. But do we know every area? No. Because it's not until we start pouring out our measure, we'll find out what we lack and where we lack. Now, we may have it within us then to supply the lack. Yes? The lack that that we, we see might actually come from the supply that we've got. But the lack may not. So then God may have to add. Yes? But how will we know until we, go, we do it? It doesn't, sound, it doesn't sound right at bringing Europeans, people from all around the world, to come to our church, to come to our school, draws to nowhere, back end of nowhere. It's the perfect environment for the move of God. Right? Why would people come? Exactly. Why? And that's what makes it all the more miraculous. Because God will bring them. God will send them. But you're going to have to rise to meet the challenge. And you're going to find out what you lack. But you pulling out halfway through won't cause us to pull out. Because we're committed. When a pig goes for breakfast, it's committed. The chicken can make a contribution saying, there's one of my eggs. But a pig, pig gives you everything it's got. So we're, we're the pig in this analogy. You might, you might be the chicken, lay a little egg on yours, one for you, but we're committed. True? So not only do you take care what you listen to, let me give you something else, take care how you listen. How you listen is so important. You can't listen well with your finger up your nose. I watched a program this week, an hour and a half, on universities in America. Very interesting. And the sad thing that came through the program was this. Teaching is not their highest priority. Marketing their university is the highest priority. And the teachers couldn't give a rip whether you're doing the homework or not. They are teaching classes of 250 people. 250 people. And they said, we don't, and you can go in there and you can see some of the students fast asleep. Because they've worked out the system. You don't have to listen. You just have to show up and show them that you've been there, not that you've listened, not that you're doing the work. That's the American system. And I'm sure ours ain't that great neither. I'm sure there's many, many, many flaws in our universities. But all they're interested in is marketing their university. The point is, take care of how you listen. Not only what you listen to, but how you listen. Luke 8, 18 says, Therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. But whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, is going to be taken away from him. Now, if you're smart, you'll think about that. Because when I'm unconsciously unconscious about some things, it's still being taken away from me in the background. Wow. Even what I thought he had is now being taken away from me. 
Why? Because I don't take care how I listen. So I remember being in an English class once and I thought, I'm going to fool the teacher because I wasn't the greatest, uh, you know, the greatest person who knew how to pay attention. I gave my, you know, my frustrations an obvious sign. You know, the teacher, the way I slumped in the chair and the way he's like, oh, come on, hurry up, shut up. Let's get on with it. And I remember one day sitting at the front with my hands like that and I'm looking like I'm really interested. And she, and she just, out of the blue, she had a word of knowledge. And she just comes to me, she says, and I don't know what you think you're achieving by sitting at the front giving me the impression that you're listening. <laughs> I thought, I'm blown. I'll never forget it. I was exposed and I'm thinking, I worked really hard to give you that impression I was listening. But obviously not hard enough. She knew I wasn't listening. I was spent more time trying to show what I was listening, but I wasn't listening. So, let me give you another one. Not only take care of how you listen, for how you, but listen. <laughs> take care of how you listen. Okay. For how you listen will determine what you will see. How you listen will determine what you see. Because when, when you don't hear properly or you don't understand and then you go back to the teacher and you say, look, I don't understand this. And then they start coming at it from a different angle and, they, and then they go, do you understand it now? Now I see it. Now I see it. Now, what changed there? The way you listened, that one-to-one interaction caused you to posture differently. Maybe the way they said something Help that penny to drop. So now you go, ah, now I see. Because how you listen will determine what you can see. Jeremiah 1, verse 11. And the word of the Lord came. What do you see? Jeremiah said, I see an almond branch. I replied. And the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, young Jedi. For I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. This is what it's about. God is watching to see his word is fulfilled in you. And God cannot speak a lot of things to you because of how you listen. Hello? It's true. (coughs) You and I have to be able to put into words what it is you receive and understand and see. Because if you can't put into words what you understand and see, how are you going to help others understand and see? You've got to get a level of understanding. Whether it's accurate, perfect, that will remain to be seen. But you have to get an understanding so that you can bring others into what you see. I have to work on what I understand so I can try and help you to understand and come to that level. Not that, listen, you're bright minds, you're smart people. But this isn't about being smart. We all have a revelation in God. Amen? All I'm doing is discharging what's in my gun. And hopefully by the end, you come out here, you don't smell like the cafe, you smell with gun residue. What you see can convince others. Yeah? What you see can help convince others. 
So we've seen take care how you listen, find the right place. How you listen will determine what you see. Here's another one. Take care how you listen as it will determine the depth that the word can go to within you. Yes? When Mary, underst- when Mary received that word, did she understand it? No. But God could plant something in her heart so deep, she understood very well because she asked the question, how can this be? I'm a virgin. She knew the complexity of what it was the angel had announced to her. Now the difference is, Zachariah, he's told his wife, is going to have a child. And yet his question, only God can read the, the nature of the, of the question. He doubted, well, how will I know? And Gabriel says, look, I know where I've been. I know who I've been stood before. He's told me to tell you, you doubt. I smell doubt. You don't believe me. You don't believe God. You don't believe me. Boom, struck dumb. So he had no language to help others. So now he's got to go and play a game of charades. Outside, angel, angel, angel. <laughs> Sounds like. What have you seen in there? Angel, angel, angel. Can you imagine not being able to announce the birth of your son? But here, in Jeremiah 24, verse 3, the Lord asked me again, what do you see? So I said, figs, I answered. And and, uh, the good ones are very good, but the poor ones are so bad they can't be eaten. Then, listen, then the word of the Lord came to me. So a question comes first, which is by the Spirit, what do you see? How I see, then determined the next question, then the word came to me. There was another level. God could then add something deeper to his life. Because he'd heard the word first, he'd answered correctly from based on what he'd seen, and now the word comes to him at a different intensity. You see that? The word must keep coming to you with, a, with an element of intensity. It goes deeper and deeper. Amen? So Romans ten seventeen says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. That's one level. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? He's talking about the Israelites. Of course he did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the end of the earth. And later on in Hebrews, he said, but they didn't combine it with faith. They heard, but they didn't combine what they heard with faith. So therefore, the word could never go deep into the heart of a nation. Yes? So now we've seen, take care how you listen, because it will determine what you see. Take care how you listen, because it will determine the depth of the word that abides in you. Let me tell you another one. Take care who tells you. This is so, so important. We all know the story in Genesis 3.11 and he said, this is the, the temptation where Eve now is tempted by the, uh, Satan. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you? You've eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from. Who told you? You see, sometimes when you're counselling people and you're helping people, they then begin to 
share with you what they know. And then you say, well, who told you that? Well, then you find out it's a mismatch of things they've accumulated. Sound bites. So not one person told them one thing specifically, but it's a sound bite. It's a concophony of a lot of things. And, and it's very difficult to know who said what, when, and how. And, but the point is, you're carrying that stuff around, and it's blocking the frequency signal in your heart. And it's not until you start speaking about it and you get it out, you can then shift some of that stuff out the way and then plant the word in again. Because most Christians don't have a foundation. They have a collection of thoughts. They don't have a foundation. And the longer you've been around this, you tell yourself, what do you think I haven't got a foundation? See, that tells me straight there. Because when you listen to them talk, you realize there is nothing solid. It's opinions. And it's wild thoughts. We had someone talking to Phil and I, and they tried to talk to us about a real intelligent, mature conversation. The problem is, they wasn't. They wasn't mature, and they wasn't intelligent. And all they'd done is borrowed these two lines of somebody, and then present that, and then try to say, that's their argument. I'm sorry, fella, but this is a massive argument, and you'll give me two lines. You've got to understand who's telling you some stuff. Now, the problem is, when you have transferred growth, there's a lot of people telling a lot of people a lot of stuff. Who's telling you? Do you want another one? When we listen and heed, or I should say, what we listen and heed to shapes our nature. What we listen to then begins to shape our nature. If I'm listening to prejudice propaganda, fascist propaganda, whatever propaganda it is, what do you think it will do to my nature? Based on the propaganda I'm listening to, it will carry a particular kind of nature. And a nature is formed by philosophies. And philosophies are normally created by demonic spirits. Hello? The philosophies of this world. That's why the education centers are the pinnacle for philosophies. They get all these young people in, they bombard them with this philosophy, and then the next thing, the philosophy starts shaping the landscape. Yeah, and the kid's nature starts to change. You send your kid to university. Mom and dad, watch your children's nature change. Why does it change? Because of the people they surround themselves with and the philosophies that they're being taught. It's so important. That's why you've got to pray your kids through. Don't just send them to university. Don't send them to the gravestone. You must carry them through in prayer because those places are very influential. Very influential. So we've got to be careful that what we listen to is going to shape our nature. Yeah? Peter says, 2 Peter 1 says, Through these he has given us his great precious promises, so that through them you may partake in the divine nature. The nature God wants you to have, his, his divine nature. 
How? Through partaking. Well, if I listen to philosophies, I partake of a philosophy. True? Come on, think about it. So I've got to partake. What I partake of will determine the nature I adopt. Do you want another one? Take care who instructs you, because this will determine your destiny. Take care of who you listen to, because it will determine your destiny. So that instructs, not in, um, teachers. Take care who instructs you. So that's the, that's the chain of command now. The one who's instructing has an element of authority over you. Now, authority is something that you willingly, listen, spiritually now we're talking about, not when you go to work, but spiritually, authority is something that you willingly surrender and give to somebody else. At work, you have no option. That's the policy. He's chosen. He's got that job. She's the manager. He's the manager. They're the the authority structure. You have to find the grace and harmony to function under that, or you go and get another job. But in this church, it's what you give. If I submit to the Lord and submit to his people, I willingly submit my life under that authority. That authority then can determine my destiny. You see this? This is why the shepherd has to lead accurately. Because if he abuses the sheep, he's setting the nature of the people and he's setting the destiny of the people to corruption. Think about it. (laughs) Matthew 24, verse 3, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately to tell us, he said... When will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Christ and will, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you do not get alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still not to come. He said, watch out, guys. It's possible to be deceived. Your destiny is linked to what you partake Give you one more, uh, two more, and then we're finished. Take care. Take care to obey what you have become convinced of. Take care what you have become convinced of. Paul said in Romans 15 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Paul was convinced about some people he was around. You must be convinced about this leadership. It's something you have to do, not me. You have to be convinced in your heart that those who lead you are full of goodness. The complete, well, we're not fully complete in knowledge, but we're, we're making a good go at this but yet were competent to instruct one another. I've written to you quite boldly on some points, and as, I, as if to remind you them again because of this grace that God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Paul's convinced 
And that's why he's writing to some people, because he's convinced. Amen? Paul was convinced that it was better for him to remain with the Philippians church rather than him die and go to heaven. He said, it's better for me if I remain here with you. He was convinced about that. Last one. What you see, so we just said, what, take care about what you've, sorry, take care to obey what you have become convinced of. Take care that you obey what you've become convinced of. Last one is, so what you hear, see, and have received, take care to adopt as a pattern. So what you hear, what you've heard, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, and what you're receiving, if all that is good, then adopt that as the pattern to live by. Does that make sense? 2 Timothy 1.12. This is why I'm suffering. Paul was very clear. He was convinced, if I do this, this will benefit these people. I'm suffering, yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I believed. And I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. Then he says this, what you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. With faith and love in Christ Jesus, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Ghost. Paul wrote letters so that knowing that those who would read them would be updated in his apostolic missions so they would be updated as to, to how God was moving amongst the Gentiles. They'd be updated in how God was moving amongst the Jews. So that was, he wrote to update them, but he also wrote those letters knowing that those who read them and lived by them as a pattern would be seriously, significantly, supernaturally upgraded. So he did what was in his heart and he had no qualms. Today I am amazed that many men, many men talk around and say, there's no room for spiritual fathers in the church. When our world has got no fathers, they have the audacity to turn around and say, we can't have any fathers in the church. Why? Because they're scared of authority. And that's the reason why we've got no authority in the home, because they're scared of authority. So if we can set the pattern in the house and father people, then we can, we can show people what an accurate pattern of fathering is. It blows my mind to think, because it doesn't work out there, you would stop it in here. When we need the pattern in the house, so that others can glean from and, become, and can become convinced of. So that... This generation can be better fathers in their homes. Why? See, when a person comes into Christ and you say, Father God loves you, the word Father in society, who's, when you've been, come from a home where the Father's been abusive and you say, God is your loving Father, straight away they say, Ah, my, my, my experiences of my father was bad to me. So if this father will do the same to me. So that's an obstacle. So we've got to help them to understand the fatherhood of God. So when the fatherhood of God is set and there's forgiveness and lined up that way, then you say, 
you know, the pastor could, can be, not all pastors, not all pastors, in fact, a good percentage of them are not. First of all, pastors can be fatherly. Fatherly does not mean you're a father. Fatherly means John might give me an element of influence in his life for me to be fatherly. Right? It doesn't mean to say, I am his father. But he gives me room to influence his life. Why? Because he's liking where, what he's seeing. So he makes room in his heart for me to step closer into his heart. The moment I abuse him, boom, it closes. So, so right now, send down his fatherly. But then there is another level, and it's called the father of the house. The father of the house is not the father because he's been there the longest. The father of the house is it's a gift and a grace that's on his life to bring, to set patterns into the lives of the people in the house. Patterns. So, it, so to do that, he must find people who he can add things to. Not just bless, but add. So where there are lives that allow the Father to add things, they say, you're shaping my life by these patterns. I see you as a spiritual father into my life. I didn't tell them. I didn't ask them. It's something they see. Because they see by this teaching, these patterns are coming and orders come into their life and they're in more control of their life. I didn't demand it. You cannot demand it. I can't demand Carol to love me. But I'm commanded by the Lord to love her. See what I'm saying? So, but what I do for her will determine how she responds in kind to me. So fathering is a grace, but I can't be everyone's father. Why? It's not that I can't be. It's because some people don't see you in that capacity, which is fine. Some people say, you're just fatherly to me. Fine. Others say, you're just my pastor. Fine. Whatever level you're happy with. But that will set his expectations, won't it? So then when you say, well, I see you as a far, I see you as the pastor, and I might say, well, Ashley, let's set some patterns. You say, I'm not giving you authority. Right. I can't go in and say, I'm the father. This is not like Star Wars. Luke, I am your father. Feel the force, Jedi. It's called my fist. No, we can't do that. We don't want to do that. There's no benefit in doing that. We're raising people for Christ. So, I am committed. Phil's committed. Paul's committed. Maybe we should all be committed, but that's a different scenario. I am committed to upgrading this house. I am upgrade. I said I am committed. Paul's committed. Phil's committed. Many other people are committed to updating you about the things you need to be upgraded. Yes? So to be upgraded, you need to be updated about what you need to be upgraded. And we will continue on this until we see, we see God's household rise as one body. Amen? You know, I know I can be strong. But anyone who's been around me long enough to know that, I'm also fair. And I deal with you all fair. I do deal with you all fair. I'm, I'm soft, but I'm firm. And one thing I don't like is I have an intolerance to unrighteousness. I have an intolerance towards wrong patterns. And uh, that's kept me well. That's kept me well. And it's kept you well. And it will keep you well. And, uh, and I just pray that you will continue by God's grace to give me the grace to lead you. Amen.
So I can ask you now to stand to your feet, if you will, please. Now, in all that's been said, I can only ask you to do one thing. And that is to go home this week and lay those notes before you and make some conclusions about what you need to do. You have been instructed this morning to take care. And I've outlined 10 areas where you need to take care. True? So the best thing you can do to show the Holy Spirit that you are not just a hearer, but you'll want to be upgraded, is to sit those notes before you and say, Father, speak. This will be my food this week. I will speak to you about these scriptures, these points, and I will work through what needs to be worked through. I cannot ask you to do any more than that. If you just do that this week, then you will show yourself to be a good steward of God's grace. But if you do nothing with what you receive this morning, then you show yourself, the Bible words, not mine, to be a fool. You heard, but you didn't listen. But now you've listened, you must do something with what you've heard and, and wrote, wrote down. You think, well, I didn't write. Well, then we have the podcast. You can go on the internet. You can get the Dream Center's message. It will be on there. You can listen to it again. And you'll be able to take notes in the comfort of your own home. But please do something with what you've been given this morning. Amen. That took me many, many years to work these things out. So I can stand here confidently knowing that I've worked those things out. And still I'm working those things out. I've taken very carefully who I listen to. I listen very carefully to what my spiritual dad tells me. I work it through. So does Phil. So does many of others who have listened to that source. I work, I'm not asking you to do anything I haven't done myself. And don't do myself. So please, I love you all. I do. And I love you enough to keep telling you these things. And I believe that your lives are beginning to be enriched by doing these things. Amen? Amen. So, Father, you've been good to us, Lord. You brought us through a year. And yet, a new day is dawning. A new day is dawning on our lives. And, Father, we want you to take us to the next level. We want you to take us deeper in this house. Father, there's so many things in your heart for us that we have not yet comprehended what fully is in your heart towards us. So Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you'll make all that is in your heart known to us so we can make preparations to move towards those things. I ask in the name of Jesus. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. The last instruction, take care how much you eat.